Welcome to the next episode of Spare Pratt. And today we're talking about The Harvest. Doctor Who, The Harvest. Doctor, Executive Security Officer Garnier regarded me strangely, as if he was afraid of me, as if the sight of me horrified him. Oh, no, 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 not at all, just healthy respect. Am I grotesque? There's a certain degree of tissue swelling and suturing, but that's diminishing daily. It would be curious if he was afraid of me. That thing that came into this room beside him is far, far more terrifying. System record. Recognizes staff nurse Good morning. It is 2021. Experiments with Zontek, which is technology of non-terrestrial origin. I have never seen London like this. Well, it'll become a familiar sight. Embankment there, Big Ben, and the Museum of Parliament. You mistake me, Doctor. I mean, I have never seen anything like this. I have never seen in this way before. Shape, colour, perspective and dimension. The resolution so bright, unfiltered, unenhanced. I'm glad you're pleased. Seeing the world through new eyes. You, you are pleased, aren't you? Yes, Doctor. I think that is how I feel. So this was my choice, and it was one where I hadn't listened to it in a couple of years, so I was a little worried that I wouldn't like it, or it wouldn't stand up. It's my favourite TARDIS team. It's the TARDIS team of Ace and Seven, and it's also the first of New Companion Hex. And I'm going to say I loved it, because... It hadn't aged to me, considering it was 17 years old, I think it is, 18 years old. I thought it just, it was still a great story. But what did everyone else think? Well, it's not surprising you liked it with the ace being around. She's your favourite. She is? Yeah, I really, I, I, oh, actually, I'm in two minds about it, to be honest. I thought it was a very visual episode, which for an audio, it's, I struggled with it quite a lot. It was lots of like just noise, running, screaming, and just, Effectively, like, like calamity ASMR. That's what I'm going to call it. A whole bunch of bangs crashing, whistles going on. And I ended up falling asleep, I think. Maybe just dips in and out. Maybe just kind of like lulled into almost like, like snooze land. Just doing those bits. What? Uh, but, but I'll be honest, this was only in the first hour. So like I thought this took a long time to kind of like kick off. But when it did, I was very much awake and here for the story. So getting that first two episodes to the big reveal halfway through, it was like, okay... Just lots of uh, the car chase scene, for example, like a car chase scene is really hard to have as an audio because it's a very visual thing to do. Yeah, it was a scooter chase, wasn't it? Because I, I listened to it again. I thought it was a motorbike chase, but when I started listening to it a second time, you definitely get on a scooter. Yeah, she, she specifically mentioned how retro the scooter is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was before they got on it. I, if you weren't paying attention, there was a, there were some confusing bits to it, I think. There was wheels, there was driving, and there was a man, eight foot tall, running, who could, it could have been anyone. Although I very much got in my head that guy from Sherlock, that episode where there's the, the golem, the golem. I kind of pictured that sort of dude chasing them down on his little moped. 
But again, it was just like such a, oh, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I'm just going to listen to the calamity that's going on. Just crash, crash, bang, wall, crash, bang. This is heresy. This is absolute heresy from Chris here. See, this is the this is the one this is the one Chris didn't dig as much as and, and, and it's wrong again. <laughs> opinions can't be wrong, Stuart. No opinions can't. They are can. they are the scenes that specifically involve Ace. They're wrong. It's all just wrong. It was awesome. It would have been better if it was visual. I get what you mean about the visual thing of it, but I the I guess it depends. To me it felt like an audio version of a TV episode rather than the version that was written for audio. And, I th- and actually, that's one of the reasons I quite liked it is because it did barrel along up to a point. It, it was a bit slow at the beginning because it was set in the scene. It was setting, you know, the background a little bit of Hex. It was setting a little bit of, you know, why why were Ace and the Doctor in the hospital? And it was interesting that we, even though it was incredibly strongly hinted they were Cybermen, I don't think we got that confirmed until the end of the second episode so it would have been 50% of the way through yeah and that's when I that's when I tuned in because I, I expected some sort of because I, I will I will say like the, the tone is set very nicely like having a long intro you know sets then you know having a hospital as well the more you get the, the sense of like okay there's something really like body horror gore stuff going to happen here and it's going to be delicious but yeah when it was revealed to be the cybers it's like oh okay we're doing a cyber episode here this is okay that took me up by surprise and yeah, you know, just, just go along with it. So what were your thoughts, Joe? So I actually quite like this, the sound effects. Like I can see what you mean, though. It, it does feel like they've recorded a TV episode and then turned the TV off. You're just listening to what's happening. So I actually I can appreciate that. I was OK with it, but then I have listened to it a few times. And yeah, the first time, Chris, when I listened to it, I, I did kind of zone in and out from time to time. So I can see why we would get confused in parts of it. I like the idea of the humanizing the Cybermen. I think we've, we're not unfamiliar with that approach before, but it was quite nice to hear a different version of it. So there was Dalek, is it the Dalek Empire season three where they have... Daleks in Manhattan. Uh, no, no, no. This is audio where Daleks befriend a human to learn about becoming more human and they, they realise that some of their, their their Dalekness is not very useful. So they, they get a human to teach them how to be even more, more horrible Daleks, essentially. So kind of got that vibe slightly off it. For New Year yeah. this year, because we decided to stay in, I bought Evil of the Daleks, which is an old Patrick Troughton episode that they just animated last year and put out. And it, that's almost what it's about. It's about putting the human factor into Daleks in order to work yeah. out why they 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 were being defeated. Yeah, so I, I kind of, I, I like this idea of them trying to improve themselves by becoming human again, with certainly in particular the, the Cybermen. And I like to call, what was it, re- reincarnation process? If I got that right? Sounds about Be- right. They've <laughs> added meat to themselves, I think, essentially. So yeah, just slap on some meat there. It's fine. Oh, I've got visuals now. <laughs> I quite like Hex. I, I, that was my first experience of Hex. And he seems like a good balance for Ace. So I don't know what happens going forward, you know, whether they stay together or whether the Hex is, is Hex just an Ace 7. One thing that having re-listened to it now, having, you know, done the whole Hex arc, that struck me was how much he was sort of pitched as a boyfriend for Ace at this one. Mm. And there's a sort of a lot of chemistry between them. And that doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't really become I, anything beyond them being yeah. good mates. I didn't really get a vibe of that. It just seemed like a good kind of foil. Well, he, um, he obviously yeah. fancied her because there was a 
a moment where he gets very embarrassed because his friend had said something to her. He did seem to me like he'd be embarrassed about any type of interaction like that. that I got that feeling. I didn't get quite as much horror as I did from the spare parts one. I think that's a a missing Paul Copley. I think that was what we needed to to get you in a feels. But yeah, generally enjoyed, happy, would listen again. What about you, Doug? Because I know that this isn't your favourite era of Doctor Who. Is that right? I was quite pleasantly surprised. Oh I, my I, God. There was, there was, what? What? No, there were, there's, there's just something where he sometimes it just puts me right off. And it, it wasn't in this episode, whatever it was. And, and, and um, Sylvester McCoy can be very overly Scottish, shall we say, sometimes. A lot of rolling R's, etc. And that, when I, where, where was I had that? I had that somewhere. It's just the way he walks, is it? It's just the way. Yeah, but he didn't do any, really any of that. So I quite enjoyed it. And it was, it was, it was, I guess, paced more like a, a TV of that era episode where this, this, the lengths were about, I don't know, 25 odd minutes. I think they must have been each. They weren't particularly long episodes. And they had the, the big reveal at the end of the doctor. He doesn't appear in it right until the very end of the, the first episode. And then, as you said earlier, the Cyberman or Cyber thing appears at the end of the second episode, which is, you know, kind of how they would have done it on the on the telly days. So so it, it, I didn't have the same issue with you about the lack of visualisation. I was doing other stuff at the same time, so maybe I wasn't paying as much attention as you guys were to some of it. But I thought it worked fine. It was a, a decent enough story. It rolled along. It wasn't all evil dominators taking over the world. It was the Euros bureaucrats that were at the root of it to some degree, wasn't it? So there's a bit of uh, anti-Euro commentary in there, I guess, or uh, the, the bureaucracy part of it. It was a nice historical story, I thought, given that it was set in 2021 and we were listening in 2023. It's true. Obviously, it was a sci-fi story when it was written in 2004 or whenever it was written. But <laughs> I think it's one of the things that I think with regards to that thing you said about Ace there, I think it's an older Ace. I think she's in her early 20s as opposed to her teens, which she's in in... Well, I was was trying to work out, because obviously she goes back to Totter's Lane, where her flat was, which is basically the TARDIS in a a car park, I think it was, or behind the car park. And obviously that's, you know, where the TARDIS was in the first episode and other episodes as well. The Remembrance of the Daleks one, that was the first episode Ace was in. So I was thinking, oh, maybe it's just straight after that. But there was other stuff. I mean, she, she knew the Cybermen. Well, that would have been, that was the same season, wasn't it? The Remembrance and the... Silver Nemesis. Silver Nemesis, yeah. Well, she never referred to him as the professor. So it kind of, as you say, it felt like a definitely a lot older Ace, but closer to, well, actually further away from young Ace. Which she says... More seasoned. She says at one point that she's travelled with a doctor for longer than you'd think. She makes that comment to Hex. She's like, I've, mm. I've done a lot of things with him and I think that he's done this. And I know this because I've travelled with him for a lot longer than you might think I have. So it could be that she's actually mid to late 20s at this point. Yeah, I certainly got more of the impression of, of Ace a bit more like she was in the, the 59th anniversary special where she was, well, to be honest, I haven't watched most of the TV episodes she's in for probably a lot of them since they were actually live, but you know, she was quite to the front then with getting involved in the action, but she certainly seemed to be you know quite quite capable of doing lots of stuff as she'd been infiltrating the the hospital as the part of the human resources team. There's a couple of references I thought that were quite nice that are there for proper geeks like me 
one was a reference to the White Rabbit, where they went for their drinks, which has been referenced in quite a lot of other sort of expanded universe and audio stuff. It's kind of the pub of choice. It was quite nice to have that there. There's another tie-in, Stuart, but it's only an associate hornblower. Because I, I had a quick look at the cast for a hornblower and couldn't find one. It's reasonably, I mean, it's, it's tenuous at best, but Philip Olivier was in an episode of Holby City around about the same time as Hugh Quarshie, who was a direct Doctor Who and Hornblower hit. But how far do we go with this? I don't know. There's a page called Six Degrees of Hornblower, and they just go way down a rabbit hole, and it, nobody's got time for that. We do. <laughs> so that's as far as I went. But I have, I have to confess, I have a little spreadsheet now that I'm adding to you. Uh, yes. I will be able to cross-reference to the tip of uh, the push of a button my hornblower direct links i'm grading them as full hornblower hornblower associate feels like a half hornblower is a thing half hornblower that could be a thing i'm not quite sure what yet we'd have to categorize that a half blower yeah so that's that's my only callback that i found and that's not even a thing they've intended to do that's just something i've dug up well the other thing i noted in a bit of a, a sort of callback was the guy who played david garnier was in army of ghosts I was wondering, that was literally my, my first question to you guys just in a second was, I recognise that voice. Who is he and where can I find him? He was in Army of Ghosts and Doug might recognise him because he's also in the Pirate Planet. So he's actually one of those quite small amount of people that have been both in Classic Who and in New Who. I, I, obviously I loved it, but I also came away being more and more angry with uh, Nigel Farage than ever before because he ruined the story because of Brexit because it was so as Doug was saying there's so many references to Europe and the European space program and and I thought well we don't have that anymore do we yep no yeah. more research for the UK we're not Here's getting marriage. the Cybermen now <laughs> Nigel <laughs> yeah but I just I just want to hark back to kind of I did enjoy I did want to do say I did enjoy this episode I really did but it was the latter half the first half gets dipped in and out but I want to say on the case of the sound effects, the, the ASMR stuff, it was the, the score is ace. Ironically saying that, but it was really, really cool. It had such a great mood, just malevolence, 80s-ness to it. It was just like, it was just really, really cool. And I kind of want that on its own. I think that's what I have a thing where like I can quite happily fall asleep listening to those, like death metal and like, ah, just cuddled off with a bit of anger and hatred. Nice and comfort. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I think I was, was it helped me kind of get into this like, oh, you know, what? this is really cool. I'm just digging the music. I'm in the, in the music zone, the soundscape. And, you know, everyone does, everyone shut up. I'm listening to like stuff going on in the background. So that's why I really, I, I did enjoy it. But again, and like, if I'm here to listen to Doctor Who. Like, it definitely felt m- much more orchestrated than some of the others. Yeah. And as, as in the soundscape of it, the, there was, it was very supportive of the, of the t- text. I'm saying not the text is that the right word the, the script of the speech the script yes it's very supportive of the script Stuart <laughs> yeah I, I thought the orchestration of the sound effects and music behind was very nicely done and I suppose we're a bit later on in the, the big finish not, journey as well that much later on we're was what, it 58 58 yeah that's still quite a you know it's a long I mean, way it's, be, it's five years into the trip I suppose isn't it because it's a lot better than the first one. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was a really nice... One of the reasons I liked it is because I really like the interplay with the Seventh Doctor and Ace and mm. Hex. I really like Hex. Partially maybe because I know his journey all the way through to the sort of the end of that journey. 
I say the end of that journey. It's big finish. There's still the occasional hex episode. Not dead know, yet, then. That, that comes out uh, to this day. I mean, the, the actor, the, the actor who plays him is now in Star Cops for Big Finish, so he's still okay. working with them fifteen years on. I really like the character. The guy who played he played it very well. The guy who played Marcus Mark. Yes, mm. just a a wonderful coward. Give me a coward yes. any day. Well, they're the ten to be the survivors. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? I was going to say, is he a coward though or is he just human? Because there's a lot to take in. You, yeah. You, you kind of feel that like the Hex who sort of goes through it all. I mean, I do quite enjoy the, oh my God, you get from him when he walks the TARDIS for the first yeah. couple of times. Well, that, that became yeah, that a, wonderful, a wonderful running gag and I hope it continues throughout the Hex's runs. Like just, for God's sake, he just keeps saying, oh my God, to everything. Stop being so amazed. <laughs> I think one, one of my favourite quotes on this episode, and I actually noted it down was, Hex going, oh my god, oh my god, and the doctor going, no, I'm the doctor, but hello, just the same. Yes. End of episode one. Yes, it was. Uh, and, I, and I guess that's it. I, I can see what you're saying to little degree, Chris, although I don't necessarily agree with it, which is that that whole of that first episode was scene setting, really, until yeah. that last like few minutes of it. You obviously knew there was something going on and you knew that something was going to happen to his friend, but then you didn't, you know, that way it was all sort of scene setting until that moment. And then I think it all sort of sped up a bit. I mean, you you meet the Doctor very briefly in that first episode where they ask him to fix something. Because yeah, he's a janitor. He's a janitor. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, oh yes, I'll get onto it or something. And it's just like, that's the only time you see him. I mean, it is mostly a hex and ace story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think that's uh, a good thing because it gives, it gives their relationship a time to build up. Because I think the relationship with the Doctor is always going to be a little bit distant for a companion. But if they're meeting another companion, it's good. Well, I wasn't sure what was happening to begin with, because obviously I recognised Sophie Rudd's voice. But uh, I thought, is that Ace? Is she Ace in this? I mean, I'm, I'm presumably she is, because it's a seventh Doctor and Ace story. But, you know, she was using a, a pseudonym, what was she called? She's using her real Shane, name. Just a surname. Yes, make sure. uh, but later it came out that her first name was, her name was Dorothy. No, I think her, her character is her real name is Dorothy, but I couldn't remember if McShane was her surname or not. Yes, it Everyone is. Knew in, that. in the Dorothy is a reference to the Wizard of Oz because when we first meet her in the TV series, she gets swept up by a time storm and ends up on Ice World. So it's a reference to Dorothy getting. Uh, uh, is that what the link was? Okay. I mean, I, I think that's all stuff that's added in after the you know after the point. I think we only know her as Ace. Pretty yeah. much in the whole of the, the TV series, and I think this is the expanded stuff has filled that in because of the way they left it with Ace, because she was a final companion, and we've got a start point, but we don't have an end point for her. Big Finish had been able to make that companion change and, and and grow in a way that they haven't been able to with any of the other TV companions because we have a fixed ending for them and we know how they end, we know what they're like when they end. But with Ace, she's you know she can go on forever. I actually have a question on that. So. From Power of the Doctor, when Seventh and Ace have their little interaction and it's a beautiful wee moment, is there a big big finish that ties in where they do split? Because that always kind of I kind of felt watching that scene going, ah, there's something, ah, there's something for me to do research and I finally when we finally get to big finish, there's gonna have a big argument and split off and I mean, not that I'm aware of. There's a couple I've not heard in the monthly range, them are the last one, so it's not impossible. But I think that Seventh Doctor is an incredibly manipulative doctor towards Ace at times. He doesn't treat her very well sometimes. Yeah. Arguably, and he would state for her own good, but the doctor does what the doctor has to do. And sometimes people get hurt. And often it seems to be, certainly in that latter half of the TV series, it's Ace. There's, there's events where he deliberately takes her to places that have traumatized her when she's younger. 
because he thinks it'll help her. And it's like, that's as maybe, but that should be her decision, not yours. You know, and, okay. and I think that it, it sort of leads on to the fact that all the way through that there's the possibility that at some point she's not going to, she's going to have had enough of this. Yeah, she's not taking shit no more. Yeah, basically. And I think that's kind of where I saw it as coming from. Because when they said that, I couldn't, I was, I was the same. I tried to think if there was a specific moment. And in the end, I came up with there's so many moments where <laughs> if it had been me, I'd have went, yeah. Yeah, it's on there. Fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like the character of Ace because they've been able to do so much with her and because I was exactly the right age to like the character of Ace when she came around. Yeah. But she suffers from the thing that happened on TV in the 80s and 90s, which is that attempt to do a rebellious teenager when they're not allowed to swear and they're not allowed to do... So they make up their own swear words and there's all sorts of things that just don't quite fit. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, okay, I mean there. And that's the thing, is like when you 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 look at characters like Ace and how when she came back and like you for the power not really changed they've changed enough, but like not missed their cores, which is really nice to see. And I think I would speak to any of us who are like rebellious teens, like, you know what, there is still that streak in us somewhere. There's always that bit of Nitro Nine kicking around. I slightly feel like Ace would definitely have Nitro Nine kicking around at all times. But she was referenced in Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm-hmm. there's a bit where they talk about other companions and what, what has happened to them and they talk about I, I can't remember if they say it's a Dorothy McShane or something like that though that created the A Charitable Earth Foundation which is obviously ACE um, and then they reference that again in one of the Blu-ray releases when they do these little trailers before where they yeah. had they had sort of Ace standing there in an office talking about the charitable work she does and then it pans over and her, her bomber jacket where Ace is sitting on the... Wasn't that for the book as well? Or is that for a double tie-in sort of thing? Well, the book came out of a similar time, the child, At Childhood's End, which did that similar thing of making it say Ace. Mm. And that was written by Sophie Aldred. And that is quite... That's a good good read. So, I mean, yeah, it's difficult for me to look at this one objectively because Ace and the Seventh Doctor, I guess, are my companion. That's when I loved Doctor Who. When it was on, at the most, probably I was exactly that age. I would have been 87, 11 to about 13. So I was one. You are a child. My Tom Baker era. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. And, and I think, you know, I think those, those ones stick out in your mind if it's those ones that were when you were young. Yeah. Do you think, as is a slight side point, just after the mentioning of Nitro 9, do you think it was a slight, slight missed opportunity when the doctor cast distraction and set off the little chemical bomb thing from all the toilets in the from the, the janitor's cart, little nitro nine, and just, just don't tell Ace. I mean, yeah, the, I suppose they could. It will always remind me of the time in I think it's Remembrance of the Daleks where he says to her, "Right, don't whatever you do, don't take any nitro nine out with you. You can't have that out." And then they meet a Dalek at one point, and he turns around to Ace and he just says, "Ace, can you give me some of that nitro nine you're not carrying?" <laughs> Love it. And she just hands him a can of that nitro nine, and it's just like, "Yep, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it kind of felt like that. That's the unlimited rice pudding episode, is it? That yeah. is the unlimited rice pudding episode. That, yes. That's et cetera. Et cetera. Yes, that's Best uh, use of the word et cetera ever. Remembrance of the Daleks. Also, the episode where they climb up the stairs for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Bronson from Grange Hills in it, who was from Aberdeen. So, you know. So, anyway, enough about me going on about how wonderful it was. What else you guys liked, didn't like? I want well, to talk. I want to talk. Oh, sorry. On you go, Doug. You go. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that uh, they'd been there for three weeks infiltrating in advance. And that's not something on the television series, particularly normal, not in their classic series, I don't think. They would just turn up and things would be happening around them, which does make you think that maybe they've been based on Earth for quite a, quite a bit of time. 
not necessarily waiting for things to happen. But anyway, is that is that right? You think that there is a couple unusual? of episodes in Big Finish, the Big Finish verse, in which they spend some time on Earth in order to create a slightly more realistic story for who they are when they've got something to do. Which I guess if you've got a time machine, you can do. But it feels a bit more realistic if they're investigating something that they spent time and just not turned up. So this makes them a slightly different story. It makes the exposition slightly more natural, I think, as well, instead of, you know, the, the other way of suddenly having it all explained very ha- mm. handily in five minutes at the start. Having it brought in that way is maybe a per- more natural approach to it. I quite like that, that they, were, they had actually been watching for a while and that it was Dr. Lice at the start. So I think we do get quite, you know, obviously it's about him, but... At the same time, it's quite nice to kind of go off and explore without the doctor. I actually liked, is it Mark that, that was the, the kind of senior registrar, registrar or something that was looking after Hex at the start? Yeah. Or was that someone else? Because yeah, I like I, I like the fact, and perhaps this is, you know, harking back to an, a bygone era where there was time to go to the pub for people working in a hospital. But it, it felt like a nice place to be, apart from all the carnage, obviously, and the the harvesting of parts to have a sort of a line manager who's looking after your welfare and indeed setting you up with dates and things. Yeah. Uh, that seemed quite pleasant, actually. It was interesting to see something that was written 15, 16 years ago and set last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, you've, I think we set this, set this in the very first one that all of these big finishes seem to be like absolutely timeless in terms of their, either that or it's just, life is terribly circular and that everything can make sense to to us now in 2023, whereas it was obviously written in 2001. It was the same for, for Jubilee was, you know, all the marvelization, all the, the Daleks were comedy banter and all kind of stuff and the merchandising and X level superheroes, yeah. colossal narcissist. And yeah, everyone's it's a bit mad. like the Simpsons though, wasn't it? Like, cause they managed yeah, they predict to predict a whole bunch of stuff, which is slightly worrying. Like new photo accurate events. Mm. That's what it again, is, is really, it's just a nice, little touch and an enjoyable thing that makes Big Finish last as long as it has and will continue to be forever relevant and also hark to the writers and the actors and everyone involved. Well done, Big Finish. And that, yes. Was that by checking the mail? Oh, thanks for watching. Well, I'm going to bring up, I want to bring up a little bit of a topic and oh, it is the, the closing moments. I'm here for it. I love it. It makes total sense. But wow, it was a bit darker than I was expecting it was going to be. Just walks away. Just lets the dude flatline. I mean, fair of yeah, he is the cyber leader and, you know, he's a big old bastard like they all are. But oh, so but it's, yeah, it's that it's this, it's Sylvester Doctor though. And he's, yeah, he is a bit of a meanie. He, he allowed Davros to blow up Scaro, for example, and was just like, right, fine, that's your, I've given you, he gives people the option. And then if they don't choose the right thing, it's on them. Yeah. He doesn't do it necessarily always himself. Like that guy, if he hadn't done what he'd done, the doctor would have helped him and he'd been fine. But yeah, hey, you're still so controlling I, it all along, and a whole bunch of folk died, and like that. He's a he's a very dark doctor, Sylvester's doctor. I'm here for it. So interestingly, he's the one that is played for laughs sometimes the most, whilst having this really dark undertone. It's one of the things I mm-hmm. like about him. That's probably the, again why he's just so so beloved because he's just got that you can switch on a dime. Like you need you know you're not sure what where where he's going to land. I think I quite like that with some of the others, particularly more recently with Matt Smith, where he'd be kind of a jolly old fop. And then suddenly you can see the sort of thousands of years coming out of his eyes as his rage. 
What was that bit in Devil's Run? It's, Demon's Run. Yeah. Colonel Runaway. Yeah. That whole little bit. Colonel like, Runaway. And he's just like, now he's not the time to find out why I have so many yeah. rules and all of that. It's like, ooh. He's a little gleeful, like manic laugh in his in his in his face. Like I want people to I want children to run up to your door, ring your doorbell, and that's the house of Colonel Runaway. Yeah. Ooh. I, I think ooh. In fact, I kind of feel that's what the Doctor should be like. The Doctor should be quite disarming. Yeah. Going back to sort of Patrick Troughton era, where the Doctor came across as a bit of a, an idiot in some ways, but he was an idiot mm. who was masterminding the whole thing. Yeah, you don't want him to be too jolly. I mean, he's seen a lot of stuff. He's, really. yeah, he's seen some shit. He's, seen some, he's been some places, seen some things. Not all of them good. Absolutely not, no. I mean, we it's kind of the first Cyberman one we've done since... I guess since the first one, since Spear, the Spear Part. And I, I think one thing that was quite unique in it is that even having listened to it several times over the years, I couldn't tell you what make of Cyberman they were. Mm. I couldn't tell you if they're new who yeah. Cyberman, if they're 80s Cyberman, if they're 60s Cyberman. Well, there was a lot, well, obviously there was tons and tons of references to Mondas. So I kind of, in my head, kind of maybe a slightly updated version of the classic Mondasian big old fridge on your chest. Their voices were very, very different in those first couple of few Cybermen stories. They definitely weren't the very early Cybermen. You could barely make out what they were saying on the 10th planet. And the other thing, which we haven't mentioned, is the guy who wrote it. So that's Dan Abnett. Who... Dan, that was Dan Abnett? Yeah. No way. So I thought you might know Dan Abnett. So, do, do you know him? No. Best buds. Oh, hey, Dan. <laughs> so he's a comic book and writer. Uh, he writes a lot of things. He does a lot of the Warhammer 40K stuff books. But he's, he's written quite a lot of comics as well, which I'm guessing is where you know him from, Chris. Yeah, very few DC runs. Yeah. So yeah, so that would have been his first big finish. So yeah, I originally, when I heard it, thought it might be Kevin Scott and Mark Wright, who wrote quite a few of the sort of re- ones I really liked in that kind of early era. I just wanted to, to touch back on the actual, I suppose the, not the plot, the, the, the evil scheme. Is, like, is it? Actually, a cyber evil scheme, or is it a, the European Space Aviation Committee of bastards? It's, it's, is it there? It's both. It, it, it's, yeah. It's enabled to happen because of the European Space Aid's kind of determination to exploit cyber technology, but the Cybermen have changed it to be what they want it to be, which is that they want to take over the Earth. Yeah, which is the natural plan of any big, big old bad. Yeah, if you see a Cyberman, it's, you know, it's very seldom what they want to do is let down your car tires and ring your doorbell and run away. Yeah, ding dong dash, Cyberman style. If they did, all you'd hear is We cannot go faster. I do think it is quite weird around the the European thing, though, whether it was just luck or whether they were were the Eurosceptic and were predicting that the European Union has has gone a bit awry by that point or were they already having these discussions it's kind of weird it's, I have I to say. Say, it is such a weird like, like uh, oh, okay. baddies, 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 the european space agency it does like, it does slightly feel like you could imagine nigel farage going see i told you i know he did I, say he would leave if it has yeah, gone he badly hasn't. he hasn't he, though he refuses it to appears to be but then he doesn't think it's gone badly because he's very rich off the back of it so for that him, is it's true. not gone badly at all gone fab so why do you think they gave a specific date for this one then? Well, that's not normal. It was two specific days, wasn't it? One day following the other. Yes, I think it's like yeah. October the twelfth or something. I don't know yeah. whether it was just to, I don't know whether it was just to give to round out that character of Hex a bit that you know you have a specific date, it feels a bit more real. 
Well, it was his birthday, I guess. So they're, they're giving us. Yeah. His, we don't know how old he was. I don't think. Did they say? I think he says he's he? like twenty-three or twenty-four or something. Twenty-third yeah, yeah. birthday. Yeah. Well, he must have missed that. His poor. Actually, hang on. We haven't even talked about his poor pal, Damien. Yeah, just turned up and, and died. We demo. I mean, at Let's least it, it's that kind of role that you wouldn't want if it was on screen because you're like, oh, I've got a part in Doctor Who. Yeah. Really, oh. really. You you turn up on a gurney. Uh, Never it's a good It's definitely start. a whole a Holby City extras type. <laughs> the crossover. Could have done a <laughs> great <laughs> crossover with Holby there City. There could have been a fab one there. Maybe there was someone there, but you just had a non-speaking part. He <laughs> was just there, you know, with the presence of of death. I don't know. Anyway, it's. I think it's. It's one of those things that there's something slightly inherently creepy about the the way that technology could be used in hospitals and things like that. And I guess that's what it plays into, that kind of body horror. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's what's going on in the floors above. Well, they talked about the doctor being a, a nano-surgeon or nanotechnology yes. surgeon yeah. or something. The doctor, is it Stephen Farrow? That's not far off what's possible now in terms of nanotechnology. Big, big shot nano-surgeon I've typed in for what, what they said about him. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's one of the quite sad things because as soon as Hex discovers he's the guy that's dealing with it, he's like, "Oh, great! He's one of the best, you know, doctors in the hospital. He's going to be all right, or it's his best chance." Only for us to know that this guy is just using him to harvest. Yeah, I mean, I did one of the things that did amuse me was that the password was harvest, and you're like, you can't really complain. You're the good guy to be using the password harvest for talking about people's organs and parts. Yeah. Like writing guest and being in charge of the IT for the United Nations or something. Welcome one, word one, two, three. Word one, two, three. I'd love it if that was the actual password and they were like trying to do all the super fancy stuff. I think one thing I liked about this one as well was the doctor actually doing something clever in the way he interacted with the computer and such. Like sometimes the doctor just turns up, presses a few buttons and changes the fate of a universe. Whereas this time... As we said, they've been spending time building up and he's he's hacked into the computer and he's created this identity that allows him to get in. And it it's, feels a lot more realistic than just turning up, guessing a password and being able to, you know, bypass everything. Give a quick Sonic and hey, it's all yeah. mine. Yeah, no Sonic screwdriver at all. Gets my vote every time. Nothing wrong with a Sonic screwdriver. Yeah, but it's used every episode multiple yeah. times. Boring. I remember when I got my first got screwdriver screwdriver fatigue was, and that is now a phrase I'm going to use more often in all aspects of my life. It was in Power of Three, Matt Smith's second to last Amy Pond's one, mm-hmm. where it's all kicking off, bunch of bunch of cubes going wild, and just done. Sorry, to, oh, oh, okay, and we're straight into the end. Great, well done. I just think thought about something just because of the way you were talking there about that about this is that this era of Doctor Who wasn't that well thought of at the time. Doug will remember this. This is the one that's Sophie Aldred. Yeah, well, the, the whole Sylvester kind of era. Um, Isn't that the case for almost all the Doctors? Now? It's certainly the case for the 1980s Doctors. I think people universally quite like the 70s Doctors. Mm-hmm. It's just the case that when Colin Baker just... just didn't vibe and then just kind of lost half its audience and then just kind of kept dipping from there. Not to say that obviously they get nothing against the guy and how he was. but I think it was dipping from partway through sort of the last third of Tom Baker because I mean it got all it got a bit jokey with Tom Baker. Tom Baker I think did it for too long and he was getting a bit bored with it or he had a bit too much control maybe and then I think was it the last season the last couple of seasons that John Nathan Turner took over. And I think that was a combination of Tom and John Nathan Turner. That was sort of 
that was probably the time I started losing interest in Doctor Who, really. And then, you know, you had Peter Davidson, who I never... I liked Peter Davidson in All Creatures Great and Small, but as a Doctor, he was just a bit uh, nondescript, I guess you would say, maybe a bit the other ones. Maybe He's less of possibly. He had uh, celery, though, I mean... Well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> that ticks the vegetarian box, does it? <laughs> no, I just thought it was, it was one of these things that I'll be interesting because I... I got a decorative vegetable. Yeah, well, quite strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. It didn't make the doctor very interesting, though, really, did it? Really? I, I, not, not really. If that was the highlight of the doctor for you, he likes celery. Okay. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I think I said when we did spare parts that my least favorite doctor probably is Peter Davison. And there's some good stories. And I really like him on audio. I think he, again, for me, Big Finish has done a lot with his doctor to make it a bit more of a stable character and work better. Same mm. with Colin Baker. I thought there'd be much more to speak about with this, but it was... It's quite a straightforward story, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, I think it's, that's it. I think it's... It's, it's very much like... Maybe having more difficulty thinking what to say, because it is quite a traditional Doctor Who story in some ways. Yeah, yeah. the story beats are, are, again, the whole episodic thing, again, the whole setup being relatively slow, and then the big reveal in the middle, and then barreling straight into... A quite a subdued finale, I think. I mean, it's... when in, Actually, here's the thing, like, there's... I wonder what the body count would have been for this because when those cybermen, cyberhumans start taking guns and just murking everyone, there's like, it sounds like a lot of, yeah, there's a body count in this one. I mean, there should be a body count in a Cyberman story though, shouldn't there? There that- should, but I mean, it, it, in, in my mind, when listening to it, like, they've got actual guns. I don't think there's like lasers and shit. There's just basically... Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're using the technology of the day. Yeah, which is a lot of guns. It's a lot of guns. And it's... I suppose, again, we're talking about a story that would have been written. They would have known Doctor Who was coming back at the time, probably, but this would have been before it, it actually had come back. So you're sort of writing a story for a, doc, for, for a series in some ways that might change massively by almost by the time it comes out. You know, yeah, certainly within yeah. a year of it coming out, what people think of Doctor Who could be totally different depending on how they'd done the TV series. Especially given at the time we didn't know whether Doctor Who was going to be a reboot or a continuation. Oh God, could you imagine if it was a reboot? Oh, I was thought about that. And you was know, there going to be an American one as well? That was going to be, again, its own thing. Well, the, the American one was always going to be tied in, which is why Sylvester McCoy was in the beginning of it. But it was kind of its own thing in that they created their own sort of mythology, like the Doctor being half human that had never been mentioned before and things like that. Yeah. No, I mean, after, I mean, after, even like it was on the back of tenants era. I remember seeing a thing where, like, yeah, the Americans are going to have their crack at it. Like, excuse me, crack at it. I mean, 60 years of television, crack at it. Don't approve. I'm just thinking now, I don't know if any of you guys can, can correct me on this, but I don't know if we had any references to past doctors until the, would it have been. Well, it's got to be the Sarah Jane episode. Yes. I mean, that would have been the first reference, I guess, to there being a doctor having had a past life. And I think the first reference to when we saw anything to do with them would either have been the Christmas special, the the one with the Cybermen, that, or yeah. actually, I think before that we would have had Family of Blood. But even then you don't get... I think, yeah, I think the first time you see the classic doctors on New Who... Was in yeah the next Doctor where he runs through the well the data. I think in Family of Blood he had a diary and he's got sketches. Yes, no, sorry, you're right. Was, them, but not not photographs. So I think yeah. So I think at that point we still didn't really know whether there was going to be Doctors in between. Whether you know it was well, it was very much said like the 
that's the ninth and the tenth. It was the, that was the continuation, like numbers wise. But then obviously with Moffat to kind of stick in, it, it kind of expands itself. But the BBC had already put out a series of Ninth Doctor with Richard E. Grant playing the Ninth Doctor. So there was like webisodes which had Richard E. Grant, I think it's called Scream of the Shalka, written by Paul Cornell, yeah. who wrote A Family of Blood. And that got Richard E. Grant, ironically, who obviously went on to become a great intelligence. So he's not canon then, or is he is canon and they just conveniently forgot on him? Uh, I think he's not canon. He? I think they decided that that stuff wasn't canon, but it would have been, nobody really knew what they were going to do with Doctor Who at the point that this would have come out, because this came out in, as we said, I think 2004. Uh-huh. So a year, a year before we actually saw it. So I wonder whether they it was deliberately made a little bit more adult because it does feel like you say high body count. It feels quite dark. Yeah. It feels darker than the doctor who we'd see now. It it certainly felt like it's very much far further down the line than where, than when the show ended with Ace feeling a lot older than she was, like as she was, I guess mid to twenties, possibly even later who you can really tell, I guess with it being timeless, but you really felt of, a real sense of maturity from her, which was really cool. And he's kind of, she just gets stuck in with, you know, this is a day of the office, quite literally. And then the, the with Seventh being just so comfortable with each other as well. I say that they're, the way they play off against each other is really, really, really sweet and really cool. Yeah, I think that they are, I mean, to me, they are the ultimate in, in TARDIS teams in that they, there's definite affection there, but there's also, you always get the impression that Ace knows that the Doctor is capable of more than, than he often shows. Yeah. The thing with her being a, a longer and longer in the tooth, because like early Ace, I couldn't imagine sticking a nine-to-five job for three weeks, and I could imagine this being treated slightly differently with her going to the doctor, going, "Oh God, have I got to do more of this?" Blah blah blah. When's the excitement going to happen? Whereas it's more she's in kind of well, a lot of more control or or about what's happening. So I think that helps with it as well. I think so. I think, I think that's mode. fair point. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of that, but yeah. But Sophie is quite interesting when she does this because there's one which is a sequel to Remembrance of the Daleks in that it has the same countermeasures insurgency team. So it's got the, the sort of proto unit that was in that do it. And she pitches her voice a lot higher and she's a lot more excitable and it doesn't feel like the ace that we have then. So it is, she, she knows that the ace she's doing now is older and a bit more and I guess again, almost like acting Stuart exactly <laughs> but well she, it's like I said she's the only one who can kind of do that because she's the only yeah. one where there isn't a definitive ending to Ace yeah, yeah there's not anything on film that Ace finished when she was 21 so she has to keep being 21 and I think it definitely allows for more there's I guess there's multiple endings for Ace's story depending on where you listen to because there's the Virgin New Adventures have an ending for her there's the comic strips had an, an ending i think she got killed in that and then there's the big finish endings or or not oh. endings as the case may be but there's and there's there's the ones in big finish where she goes off to study to become a time lord in gallifrey there's there's all these sort of strands to ace what the many endings of ace yeah she ends up on gallifrey learning to be a time lord cool nice work if you can get it i think that was part of the cartmel master plan was that that was how she was going to end so but there's just some stories with that but it, so it does, it, they create a great partnership for me. And to me, and I said this, I think, last week, they are, she's very much the prototype for what becomes Rose. She's a bit more of a sassy young female who doesn't need the doctor, but likes, wants to be there. And I think she very much suffered from sl- some dodgy writing, although 
I also think those final couple of seasons of Doctor Who have some of the best writing of that decade because you've got things like Ghostlight, you've got things like Curse of Fenric, which still stands up as a great episode. Remembrance of the Daleks is still a great episode. There's a couple of slightly dodgier episodes, it is fair to say. But that it feels that era has been reevaluated quite a lot and people are now thinking it's better than it was. Well, that's what I've heard. Like some, from some, one of my friends, Russell, he's uh, big into Who as well and his favourite team is Ace and Seven as well. And stands them for days will go will die on that hill that that's the the best version of the doctor it's i don't know if it's the best version of the doctor i think it's the most realistic he's quite a scheming doctor he's quite kind of planned within plans he's a, he's a chess player you know he's always thinking three ahead and he's willing to Man do whatever direction and i and that's the tour and I know Andrew Cartmel wanted to bring back a bit of mystery to the doctor and that was part of that was that he was like the, the chess player and that he would use Ace as a pawn to get what he needed. You know, that's, and, and I think that's something that I quite like about that doctor, but that might say more about me than it does about anything. You just love a schemer. A sociopath. But I suppose that we should sort of get towards the end of it now. So obviously I love this. This might have been my favorite one out of all the ones we did. Oh, you never said, Stuart. What? Seriously? Uh, oh, wow. Just, well, you know, it, having listened to it again, and I was quite expecting to think that it, I wouldn't like it as much because I was expecting that I was sort of rose-tinted glasses because when I first got into Big Finish and was first listening to some of these stories, there'd be nothing new from this team for a long time and it was just like, I lapped up everything. And now when I go back, I don't always enjoy it as much as I did or I enjoy different things about it. I remember not particularly liking Mel in the first couple of audios I heard, but I went back and listened and actually I think she's really good, which is a big change because she's terrible on TV. And... I wasn't sure that I would still like this one as much. So I think it's partially a bit of relief that I loved it. It's I know the arc with Hex and I love what they do with Hex. and I love how he becomes part of that team. And I think mm-hmm. that oh, makes me more inclined to like it as well. I like the fact the Doctor wasn't in it very much. I like that when he was in it, he was a little bit sneaky and he was using his brain and actually doing things. And I love a Cyberman story. So it all kind of, you know. It takes every one of your boxes. Yeah, it takes a lot of boxes. Well, I enjoyed it. I, I, on the whole, absolutely. That second half, once the cyber reveal, like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm engaged now fully. I'm looking to see where this goes because I think with Cybermen episodes, they do have the potential to run into the same situation every time. Oh, it's a new batch of cybers. Oh, it's another new batch of cybers. Okay, we've heard this. We've seen it. Show me something new. Oh, we're actually going to do the other way around. We want to become human or at least regain our corporeal bodies. Ooh. You want to get them back into the meat sack. Cool. Okay, right. Let's let's see where this goes. Bit odd with the European Space Agency, but that's that's a bit that's funny. And the soundtrack is absolutely brilliant. Probably one of the best soundtracks out of the one of the ones we've listened to so far. The European Space Agency is still a thing. It's just that and, and you know, Britain does get contracts because people working with our aircraft have got a contract to build an instrument, which will eventually hopefully be something on a satellite. No Cybermen though. But no well. That you know of. As far as we uh, know. Yeah. Who knows? So, so, yeah, <laughs> Do you think, Chris, you'd have enjoyed it more if you'd known it was Cyberman from the beginning and not had no. that reveal? Or do you think that the reveal turned it, it more and that you liked it more because of that reveal? No, I, I think it, it being a cyber episode enhanced it a little bit only because, oh, cybers, this is interesting. I wasn't expecting it. It was completely blindsided. I, I say I was expecting some sort of malevolent harvester of organs to feed you know, to, to, to do something with 
I, I expect something like be ham horror monster sort of thing. There's some evil person in a big chair who's dying constantly and just needs his, all these organs or whatnot. I didn't expect cybers. Happy to see cybers, but I was expecting something else and not disappointed that it didn't get what I was thinking. So solid story with that wise. It's just the fact that it felt a very visual episode and it could have been done. It should have been done on TV in whatever form, whether it be recast with new new Doctor Companion or or just or, or have, have them do another series and then they got to actually do this one for real with Sophie and Sylvester. I mean, it, it could but, have worked. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a crit. I'm not saying it's a horror, like big slant on the episode. It's a good episode. It's just that bit, the, all the too much words, words, bangs and explosions and I say calamity ASMR that kind of put me to sleep. They could have bit. maybe done quite a nice animated version of it. Precisely. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Um, I've got an anime version of this would be amazing. Yeah, anyway. Even the cat agrees. Exactly. Thanks, Aya. Well, I, I just always feel a bit of a fraud coming along to these things because I'm going into it with the expectation that I am going to enjoy whatever I listen to, and I generally do. So I, I don't know whether that's the wrong attitude to come into it, but I was not, not disappointed by, by it, and I really enjoyed the fact that the story made sense. It had good characters. I can't see anything really to complain about whatsoever, apart from slight lack of Hornblower. That's really not their fault. They didn't know I was going to want that in 2023. I think maybe we should let Big Finish know now that this is a requirement, though, for going forward. We should probably send them a memo just, you know, just for your information. But I enjoyed it. If they want to review new episodes as they can, there must be a Hornblower link in there somewhere. There should be Hornblower links from now on, I feel. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I tweet about that when this comes out, that, that there's an expectation yeah. of a Hornblower link. Yeah, every time. And I'm going to spot check all the way through all the catalogue. There's a spreadsheet for that. There is a spreadsheet for that. I, but I'm so pleased that there actually is a website and it's a very old webpage called Six Degrees of Hornblower. I am not the only one who is pleased when they see Hornblower links. When we do a roundup of this series, I want there to be a Hornblower count of every time we say the word Hornblower. There should be. It was a lot more like old who in a bit more of a normal linear story than some of the, the other episodes or other stories we've listened to. It was it was good to go back and hear the seventh doctor and having not avoided them but just not seek them out, I guess, over the over the years. And it was nice to have a sort of backstory to the story where they'd been working on things before we joined them. It was a nice little link to modernizing the show, I guess, with uh, somebody from the twenty first century finding the TARDIS for the first time and thinking it was a portaloo, which, you know, you see plenty of blue portaloos going around in the back of lorries or in the, uh, events these days. So, you know, it, that's pretty much spot on. And I guess even in the early 2000s, it was probably a thing in those days. And some of the, there was nice banter between Ace and Hex quite a few times. It was, yeah, I think it was good because it wasn't a Doctor-centric story. It gave Hex a good start out. And I'm not sure how many stories he'll uh, he'll be in, but it sounds like he's in for uh, maybe a dozen stories or something. Um, although I imagine we're not going to work through the catalogue. Not immediately. Do, but uh, yeah, we'll pop up with other stories. So I you know neither of those characters were annoying in the slightest for me, which... I thought Ace might have been, so that was another positive factor. And uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, I was quite pleasantly surprised after my grinchness on the last one, having just not got into that type of story. I've not been looking forward to listen to this, but I put it off as long as possible, just in case I hated 
Sorry, that's got to be the blurb. I've been putting this off as long as possible in case I hate it. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's a fair point that Doug is usually the first to listen to things. Usually Chris is the last to listen to things. <laughs> Whereas this time it felt like uh, Doug was like, I think at two o'clock in the morning this morning, Doug posted something saying, oh, I wish I'd seen this earlier. I should have listened to it by now. <laughs> well, what I'd like to do is listen to it once, not knowing anything about it, and then listen to it again and sort of scribble down some notes. I've got something to say. And this time, I didn't get that a chance because I wasn't going to start listening to it at two o'clock yesterday morning when I just as I went to bed. Um, you know, we've, we've we've been planning to do this for about two or three months now, haven't we? So it's not like I've not had an excuse not to listen to it, but I just thought there's no point in listening to it too far ahead because I'm going to have to re-listen to it near the time anyway. So I'll, I'll wait until I, I can do it. Well, on the whole, I think it was awesome and it's my opinion that counts because I'm the one who edits it, so... Everyone yep. will think it's amazing by the time this gets edited. That's awesome. <laughs> Can't wait. Just cut in all the... Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Remember, I also have recordings from all of you for ones you've liked in the past. So it's fine. But no, I, I liked it and I just loved that team. So I am looking forward to doing another one at some point. But that leads us on to the next one. And it's uh, Joe's choice this time. Woohoo. So, so my choice with some consultation and advisement is is River Song. Now, it's the, hang on a sec, it, it is the diary of River Song, and I've put here series six. Do we mean the whole series, well, or do you I one think of those? We've got a bit of time. Please say and... no, I can't find River Song. <laughs> All right, then. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no don't oh, really no. listen to four or eight CDs worth of River Song. My I might change my mind just when I hear them. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> Those TV episodes were some of the, the while my heart dropped every time she appeared on the story. Oh, no. I will say I think she's better on audio. And actually, Doug, this one is slightly... Joe spoke to me yesterday about which one. We had a, we had a dis- discussion about which one we were going to do. And we had narrowed it down to two. And one of them was all of the masters. Oh, and you know how much I enjoyed that one. <laughs> I, I like was, to know, Doug, that I took your feelings into account and you did. said, oh, let's not you watch that. I from what I remember. I, yeah, well, I know. So not entirely altruistic, obviously, but a little bit. Now, this is four individual episodes. Okay. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to talk about four different stories then, aren't we? We're going to have plenty to talk about. The one Joe's went for is Series 6, and basically it's a series in which they're all interlinked with people who have appeared in classic Doctor Who. People or things have appeared in classic Doctor Who. So the first story, for example, is with the cast of an adventure in space and time. So it's the first Doctor team with the actors that were in adventure in space and time. That'd be interesting. Didn't like the people that they got to play the companions in that either. Quite like the Doctor, but not the companion. I don't think the Doctor's in that one. Oh, well, yeah, it was was 50th anniversary (laughs) thing, wasn't it? It was the history of the... Well, the William Hart leader, wasn't it? The adventure. Yeah. So the second story is with one of the characters who is in Web of Fear. Oh, died. Captain Knight. Yep. So the third one is about a miniscope, which is from Carnival of Monsters. Carnival of Monsters, yep. And the final one is a sequel to, oh, I've forgotten the name of it, Talons of Wang Chiang. Oh, yeah. Well, another classic, probably the classic. And it stars uh, Christopher Benjamin as Henry Gordon Jago. All right. So, has it got? It hasn't got the Doctor in any of these, then, has it? Because we I don't Song... think the Doctor's in any of them. Right. Okay. 
it's a bit it'll be a bit of a different one because it'll hark back to classic who but it'll have that modern river song style moment and let's see if we can get two in a row where doug ends up liking something that he didn't think he was gonna like well i mean if it doesn't have the doctor in it with river song maybe it'll be different we'll see you don't like her being all flirty, flirty. I just, I just remember that whenever she came on in the telly episodes, I just thought, oh God, he's another crap River Song episode, and couldn't tell you any of them. I That's always liked but careful on that fence. All right, so thank you for everyone for listening to one of my favourites, and we will be back with Joe's sometime soon. So thank you, everyone, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit that subscribe button. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Well, thanks for an introductory companion story, Stuart, which I enjoy. So we'll see you all next time for something a bit different. Hello. Sorry to startle you. I've been assigned to Totters Lane. Temporarily. WPC Pond. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Diary of River Song, Series 6. Call me River. Really? An unusual name. Almost Romany. Nah, well, that's what we call aerobics. (laughs) That was fun, Miss Song. What sort of gun is that? A very good one. But sadly, it won't hold them back forever. So what do we do? We haven't got time for this. Silence! She's trying to save you. She's space animal welfare. I said silence. Sir! Sir, they're ready this way. Get back! Open fire! For the cavalry, Professor Song sees her. She must not escape. Henry, Miss Song, are you following me, Mr. Jiggle? And River Song, Charm. You get here earlier and earlier, Chang. Well, you know what I always say: if in doubt, shoot it. Big finish. We love stories. The audience is crying out. Please hear their stark entreaty. I'm listening. It's flattering, but nothing doing, sweetie. I cannot wait. I have to go. Goodbye and au revoir.